Well, amen and amen. So good to see each of you today. If you're glad you're here, say, uh-huh. Well, that's pretty good. So we need to do a little bit of spiritual aerobics and wake you up. So, so get on your feet. I want you to turn around and shake a few hands and hug a couple of necks and tell somebody that you are glad to see them here today at Popper Springs. Do that right quick. There you go. There you go. You just made somebody's day today by doing that. Amen. Amen. Well, while you are standing, while you are standing, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible or, or grab your device, and I want you to turn with me to the book of Titus. The book of Titus, uh, we're going to jump back in for the next several weeks, and uh, we're going to finish up this book. And um, then I'm, I'm praying about going to the book of Ruth, uh, which is a great Old Testament book, and, and then maybe... Um, Throughout the, the summer weeks that we have together, I may go to the book of Psalm and uh, just kind of teach through some selected psalms and just really think about uh, the six major functions of the church and 
and how we can see those even in the book of Psalms. So I've been praying and asking God for a lot of wisdom and direction. Today is one of those days where I'm telling you, this is a, this is a, a strong message. And it's a message, I think, that is extremely timely. I think it's, a, it's just absolutely perfect timing to, to preach a message such as this. And so here's what I need you to do today. I need you to just be patient with me as I teach this text this morning, okay? And, uh, you know, it's kind of like medicine. How many of you enjoy taking medicine? All right, so there's a few of you that enjoy taking medicine, all right? I guess it depends on what medicine you take, amen? Uh, I watched my mother-in-law yesterday. We went to visit her and to check on her at National Health Care, and uh, she was, was hurting a little bit, and so they were going to give her some medicine, and they crushed it up, you know, in some applesauce, like, like surprise, you know? And, and as soon as they stuck that spoon in her mouth, she was like, oh, that tastes awful, right? So sometimes you have to endure what tastes awful because, you know, it's going to give you some relief, right? So today is one of those texts, all right? Today is definitely going to be one of those texts. And um, I hope it makes you think. I hope it will be the kind of text that will take us to our knees, I hope it will be the kind of text today that, that we can look at and see how important this is to our Christian witness. I, I don't think anybody here today would ever want to do anything intentionally to somehow negatively impact the gospel and the cause of Christ. Okay? I don't think anybody wakes up on any given morning thinking, you know what, today I'm going to be a terrible influence for the gospel, right? I don't think anybody thinks that way, but, but it can't happen. And today is one of those interesting texts, especially where we are in our nation. And so I'm glad each of you are here, especially if you're a guest today. It is such a joy to have you, and I'm glad that you are here. And you're probably thinking, man, I don't know if I'm glad I'm here or not, the way you started that introduction. Let's read together. Matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing word. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to our various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, 
And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have a high priest who understands anything and everything that we could face or go through in this life. And Lord Jesus, I'm asking you today to minister to us through your word. Lord, I pray that today would be one of those moments that we would just sit at your feet and and that, God, you would just challenge us to think about how grace is being lived out in us. And I pray, Jesus, that we would leave today with such an awareness of how important it is to, to live in such a way as your children that we would never do anything to compromise the power of the gospel. That, God, we would not waste opportunities to be salt and light in such a dark world. And so, God, remind us today what you have saved us from, what you have called us to, and that, Jesus, we would be sure that what we do and what we say has eternal weight and effect. And so, God, we give these moments to you. God, you do with it what you will to bring yourself glory. And for that, Jesus, we will praise you and thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, as we have studied this passage, there are several things that, that I just want to go back and grab a hold of. First of all, just the fact that here is Paul. He is a servant of the Lord God. He has been faithful to share the gospel. And in, in his obedience to preach the gospel and to live the gospel in such a way that it's living and breathing, it's right there in front of where people can see it and hear it and, and be exposed to it. And, and now lives are being changed. And one of those lives was a young man named Titus. And so now here is Paul, and, and here he is, he's, he's spiritually mature, and as he is, is operating in his maturity, he sees this young Christian and begins to pour into him, just like he did Timothy. And that should be a great example to each of us today. If I were to ask you today, who is your Timothy or who is your Titus, would you have an answer? Is there someone that you are loving in such a way that you know that there may be spiritual infants or a spiritual baby or, or maybe they're a, a spiritual child, but you wouldn't say that they're, they're at the place in their life where they are a spiritual parent. Here's what I know about spiritual parenting. A spiritual parent reproduces, Right? And so I don't know where you are kind of on the map in your spiritual maturity, but, but here's what I do know the will and the goal of God is. And that we who are mature and who are growing in our faith should have others that we are pouring ourselves into. And we're modeling for them what it means to, to be a mature believer. It doesn't mean that you are perfect. Somebody say amen. You understand that, listen, the grace of God that saves us, I know that positionally in Christ I am perfect. I know that experientially just living this thing out every single day, I am not perfect. Pat, don't say amen to that. But you could. 
And so I'm telling you, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? I mean, that's just where life happens. And so here's the deal. Just real life should never be separated from the grace life. And what we would pray is that the grace life would manifest itself in such a way is that is what we live before people, right? And so I, I, I want to encourage you to, 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 to think about why doctrine is important. And this is, this is kind of the, one of the overriding themes in the whole book of Titus, that what we believe matters. Because what you believe influences your behavior. If somebody were to say to me, well, let me tell you what I believe. You really don't have to tell me what you believe. I can just watch your behavior and know exactly what you believe. Right? I mean, that's the true test. That's the, the acid test. And so for a child of God, what would that look like? So remember this. Doctrine is teaching from God about God that directs us to the glory of God. A trusted author once said this, and I quote, Accurate spiritual teaching on theological truths that lead us to the spiritual health and transformation of individuals and the church. Now, that sounds very, very seminary-like, doesn't it? So I'm going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know what that really says? Sound doctrine should be very practical. And it should be so practical that any born-again believer should sink your teeth into it. So let me just take a time out real quick. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, you know, just give me, give me a little leeway this morning, all right? Give me three minutes just to do something that that I really hadn't thought about doing, but I need to do. So what would that look like? In a practical way, what could that look like in your life? Well, number one, just read the Bible. Now, you would think that a pastor would never have to say that to his congregation. But I'm just telling you, if you're not careful, you will read and give your time and attention to anything but the Scriptures. And so I don't know what you did yesterday, but just think about it for just a second. Did we even crack a Bible yesterday? Did we even have time that we just got along with the Lord? And so I'm just telling you, you getting in the Word of God can help you know sound doctrine. The second thing I would say is not just read a passage, but study that passage. Why don't you just read that passage for a couple of days and, and just think about, Lord, what are you saying to me through this passage? And so you study it. I think you should be a part of a Bible-believing church. Now, I'm just going to leave that one right there. I hope and pray that you f will find this, a Bible-believing church. I hope when you go to your small group, you are actually talking and studying and thinking through the scriptures not so much about the gamecocks or the tigers or the weather or politics and by the way you understand that chapter 3 verse 1 nails that one right in the head so Read the Word. Study the Word. Be faithful. You see, I, I don't want to get hung up on numbers. I really don't. But I'm going to tell you why I'm passionate about you being here. Because one of the marks of somebody who is spiritually mature is they are devoted to body life. Check out Ephesians chapter 4. One of the marks of spiritual maturity is people are devoted to the body of Christ. Okay, that's important. 
and then just just you know you just you're you're trying just to develop and and watch life change happen and then i would say another way that you learn sound doctrine is just through your prayer life and I, I would encourage you that when you pray, pray with an open Bible. Pray this scripture. Let me just give you an example. You, I could pray this morning, Lord, I'm, you, you're telling me, Lord, in your word to remind people to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Lord, you're calling us in your word today to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. God, I'm asking you today to watch my mouth. Because your word says to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling. And by the way, next Sunday's message is on this topic. How do you, there is grace for difficult people. This place should be packed next week, all right? That's what we're going to talk about next week. It's right here in the book. How do you deal with difficult people? Well, you deal with it through grace. We're going to talk about that next week. So you, I just want to just take three or four minutes there. Do you see how practical that stuff really is? You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have 40 years of ministry experience. It's just sitting at the feet of Jesus and just getting to know him. So let's just imagine that is all the backdrop that Paul has been talking to Titus about, right? Just live in such a way that others can see Jesus in you. Okay, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. So with that background in mind, I want to say three really quick things today, okay? Number one, here's what I want you to see in the beginning part of this text. Number one, the grace of God is the means of a changed life. So where Paul is going to go uh, in teaching Titus and the people in Crete in the beginning of chapter 3 has everything with what he has taught in chapters 1 and 2. And here is one undeniable truth in the first two chapters of Titus. We are saved by grace, and it is through grace alone that we are saved. Jesus is the one who performs that work. And so years ago, under the mentorship of a guy named Ron Lynch, and I'd love for Ron to come and, and preach here sometimes, he would, he would challenge me to pick up different books and to read different books. And, and I remember, I mean, and, and these were guys I'd never heard of before he asked me to read them. It, would, it would, was guys like... Uh, uh, Dr. Bill Billheimer. Never read anything by him before, but I was fascinated But the more I read about him. And, and then he would say, you need to read books written by Roy Hessen, especially a book called The Calvary Road. And by the way, church, if you've never read that book, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessen, in my, in my little old pea brain mind, I think every believer needs to read that book. That is my favorite book outside the Bible, The Calvary Road by Roy Hessen. A fascinating little book. It will eat your lunch. It's a powerful read. I read it at least once a year. And then there were guys like Ron Dunn and different guys that he would just say, man, just, just read their stuff or listen to their preaching and let it soak into you. And here's what he was doing. Just as Paul was doing this to Titus, this is what this man began doing to me. He was teaching me that if I truly understand grace, you realize that I had nothing to do with my salvation. 
that it, the, the only reason that I'm saved is because there was a God who loved me enough to find me. He sought me out and he redeemed me. And so, so the goal of a, the life of a child of God is to let Jesus live his life in and through you. Many of those guys would call it the changed life or the exchanged life. That we got to know Jesus and we understood truth and we knew Jesus personally just like you would know someone else. And the bottom line you discover is this, when you meet Jesus you are never going to be the same. I mean, that is, one of the, that is one of the undeniable facts of grace. And church, so this is why this is important today. You and I live in a dark and sinful world. Would you, would you agree with that? This world is dark and this world is very sinful. And if we're not careful, according to the, the beginning of this portion, he says, I want you, I want, verse 1, remind them to be submissive to their rulers and authorities. That's not the first time the Bible talks about that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, listen to this. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For this, there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Now that's some strong onions, amen? So I'm just going to tell you right now, one of the things that may challenge us today is this. The Word of God does not change based on what political party is in the White House or in our State House. Now you may not like what I just said. Because some of us in this room, we've probably spent more time watching Fox News and CNN and getting together and debating all the woes and things that we don't like. And we say things like, well, he may be your president, but he ain't my president. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. That's good. Laugh a little bit. Because you know that this old dog right here is barking up the right tree right now. And if we're not careful, we will think whoever is in the White House is going to change the landscape of this country. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a born-again child of God, listen to me. Quit fighting the authorities. Stop resisting. Why? Because God Almighty is still in charge. You're acting like that, that somehow God died. You, you act like somehow, some way that God messed up and God must have nodded off somewhere because if, if, he, if, if he hadn't nodded off, we wouldn't be in the shape we're in. We're in the shape we're in because the church has forgotten how to be the church. And if we were more concerned about lost people and the power of the gospel, we would have a better country to live in. Mm, 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 mm. So grace would say this, learn how to show respect. You're welcome. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I can feel it. I'm just telling you right now. You know what I'm talking about, right? You can feel it sometimes. I, I, won't, I, I may not get voted preacher of the year now. <laughs> That's fine. I wasn't running for it, all right? I wasn't, I wasn't running for it. Remind them to be submissive to their rulers 
and authorities to be obedient. So, so show respect. Be obedient. You, you, can, you can disagree, but you, can, you don't have to dishonor. We, we don't have to be ugly in our speech. We don't have to be vindictive. As a matter of fact, and, you know, I know what time of year it is. Somebody just say with me, IRS. <laughs> Blood pressure just shot up all over this room. It never fails. Every year, every year, somebody will always ask me, Preacher, do you think it's biblical for us to have to pay taxes? Well, the answer to that would be, Yes. That's what the governing authorities have set in place. And guess what? If I'm going to honor God, I have to honor them. Do you remember Jesus on one occasion was asked a very similar question? And he said, hey, you got a, you got a coin in your pocket? It would be like me asking you, hey, you got a quarter? So on that coin was a picture of who? Anybody know? Caesar. And it was about taxes they were talking about, right? And what did our Lord and our Savior respond with? You render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and God what belongs to God. That's a good answer. So I'm just telling you, until somebody tells us to do something that directly flies counter to the truth of God's Word... Our place is to submit, to show respect, to be obedient. Why? So that we can display grace with every good work. You start fighting with people, and guess what you've just done? You may have minimized your effectiveness to be salt and light. There's something bigger at stake than your pocketbook. And there's something bigger at stake than who's in the White House, whether that be a Republican or a Democrat. There's something much bigger, and that's the souls of men. He says to be ready for every good work, every deed, everything done. He's saying everything, everything we do as unto the obedience of Christ for the love of other people. One passage says to be, to be ready to promote welfare, anything that is beneficial and good to those around you, to bless the community. You become a constructive force for the gospel when we take that position. He says to be peaceable. That means to be gentle. Don't damage. Don't negate opportunities for gospel witness. Walk not only with loyalty to Jesus, but the same humility of Jesus. Don't forget, and I love what he says here. So he says, you know, to, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And then he tells us why that's important. Because verse 3 says this, because you were just like everybody else once. You, you, you are far from God. Look with me at verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, 
One of the greatest words in the scripture is that, that word, but. I was in darkness. I hated. I was alienated from God. But, right? But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. He is saying this, don't forget that you were once far from Jesus. You were lost. You were foolish. You were disobedient. You were deceived. You did not understand spiritual truth. You were enslaved to all kind of lusts and passions. And, and don't forget that it was God's grace that saved you it changed you it was something that God did for you that was undeserved it is all about God it is about his kindness it is about his mercy God opened your eyes God let you see the ugliness of sin and God showed you himself and that is all of grace and I love the two words there he says he did it through regeneration I know that's a big word regeneration you know what it really means? It means that, I don't know the best way to say this. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever watched HGTV? Okay? That's a very popular channel right now, right? HGTV. And so I don't care which one you go to or which, uh, Pat watches them all. That's why it costs me money. And so there's always something that wants to be changed, something that is renovated right and so the idea of regeneration is that god almighty did a spiritual renovation in your heart regeneration which means he makes all things new. It is the picture of, of 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are what? Becoming new. Only two times in the scripture where that root word is used. One in this text and the other is when Jesus was speaking about one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Do you understand what that means? One day there's going to be a spiritually renovated heaven and a spiritually renovated earth. And God is going to make all things new. If he can do it in a heart, he can surely do it in this world. So what a beautiful picture. Here is what I once was, but now here is what I am. And what I am is all because of God's grace and God's mercy. So point number one, the grace of God is the means of a changed life very quickly number two grace motivates us to do good works verse eight so if everything is true in verses one two three four five six seven then it connects us to verse eight so he says you've, you've been regenerated you you have spiritual renewal by the holy spirit We've been poured out on through the rich grace of the Lord Jesus. He is our Savior. We have been justified by His grace. We have become an heir. You know, an heir is usually a child, right? When you think about it, we, we, we 
kind of went back and redid our wheels, and especially in the last couple of years when we're watching so much happen with our own families, and we thought, man, we don't want this for our kids, and we want to make this as easy as possible. And so I just told our kids, okay, hey, I want you to know something. Mom and I have sat down, we've rethought about some things, and when it comes to inheritance and all that, we just want to let you know we're blowing every bit of it. We're not going to leave you a dime. <laughs> we having fun, ain't we, baby? We just having so much fun. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. When you think about an heir, most of the time it goes to a family member, and usually it's to what? A child. Aren't you a child of God? If you've been saved by grace, you're a child of God. And Isn't that a beautiful picture that God says everything I got is whose? It's yours. You are a spiritual heir according to the hope of eternal life. It's okay. Verse 8, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist. That's an interesting word, insist, engage, take charge, take the lead is what he's saying. I want you to insist on these things so that you have believed in God and may be careful to devote themselves to good works. So Paul is connecting everything he said in the previous seven verses to this one verse. And he says, be careful, take thought. Have you ever asked yourself this question? God, how do you want me to serve? Lord, how do you want me to serve you? God, what do you want me to do for you in such a way as that I serve others, they would see you? I don't know if this is true. I think it probably is true with Popper Springs. I'm not sure that I've been here long enough to, to be really accurate about this. But how many of you have ever heard of the 80-20 rule? Okay. Where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the membership. Now, in most average Baptist churches, that's probably not far off. 80% of the work done by 20% of the people. So I don't know that I've been here at Poplar Springs long enough to make it very accurate assessment, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be shocked if we're not close. Uh, it would surprise me to discover that if 80% of what's happening, uh, well, let me just ask this question. Does anybody know if there's a waiting list for the nursery? I'll take that as a no. There's no waiting list for the nursery. Uh, do we have a, a waiting list for small groups and group leaders? Hmm, we, don't, we don't have a waiting list for that either. Uh, well, uh, do we have a waiting list on ushers and greeters? I'll take that as a no. Say, Ken, what is your point? My point is until we have a waiting list, we got a lot of work to do. And I'm going to keep challenging some of you and asking you a simple question. What is it that God wants you to do to serve him that will actually serve others? Maybe that is upward sports. Whatever. I'm, I'm just telling you, it, it could be anything. Here's what I pray could actually happen. Can, can you imagine a pastor? What if I said, hey, I'm concerned about our giving and I want you to, to give more. You know, preachers are always going to get there sooner or later, right? Go ahead. Just go ahead and go, mm, I knew it, I knew it, Ethel, I knew it. He's going to talk about giving at some point, I sure am. I would love to be able to do what happened in Exodus 36. 
So I don't know if y'all know a whole lot about Exodus 36, but let me just tell you, they're, they're getting ready to start building, and Moses has asked people to give and to give sacrificially, okay? And so here's, here's what's going on. And so they're bringing money. Uh, uh, they're doing the work for the sanctuary. They kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each to the task he was doing and said to Moses. So here's what happened. The people bring much more than enough to do the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. Verse 6, so Moses gave the commandment and word and proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. I cannot wait to get up one day and say, church, stop giving because you just give too much. Stop, stop serving because you're just serving too much. You with me? My point is, if those two verses are connected and we are not serving the body in some capacity. Now listen to this. Paul is saying, then how do you have the right to call yourself a believer then? If service is produced out of our salvation and service is not being done, he's saying that how do, you, how, do you, how do you feel good about calling yourself a believer when you won't even serve the body? That's some strong words. I know sometimes we say things like I'm too busy, not sure how, too old, don't see the importance. I signed it one time, but nobody ever called me back. No, he says to engage, to take the lead. And Paul is saying, uh, when he says here to insist, he, he's saying, I, I want you to outdo. Serve, because it's the right thing to do. You have impact with the gospel and influence. So I'll leave you with the third point, and I'll pick up here next week. Serving others is a means of sharing Jesus. When you are intentionally, and we as a church are multiplying servants to serve the body, to serve unbelievers, do you know why? It's all because of grace. And the more that we get to serve, the more that we get to share Jesus. I wish I had time today. I could just tell you story after story after story after story after story. Of how I've watched people just serve people. And it, it could be, I mean, I've seen it happen through Upward Sports. I've seen it happen through just local ministries in the body. I've just, I've just seen it time and time again where just somebody said, Lord, I want to be used of you. And just show me what you want me to do for your good and for your glory. And, and I, I, I've, just, I've watched things explode. I, I, I've seen that happen in a youth group once. Where just a bunch of teenagers just said, Lord, whatever you want us to do, that's what we'll do. And then they started doing it. And the next thing you know, that little group of 20 turned into a group of 200. I mean, they were sharing Jesus with anybody and everybody. They were serving. They were going crazy. And so I, 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 I want to be really careful with what I'm getting ready to say. But, but here's the deal. I will never, ever ignore a text in the Bible. Ever. If it's in the text, I'm going to preach it. And what's in the text today 
makes it crystal clear it is God's will for people who claim to be saved to serve. Not because we have to. Right? It's not out of obligation. It's out of delight. I don't have to serve, I get to serve. I don't have to give, I get to give. I don't have to sing, I get to sing. I don't have to do upward sports, I get to do upward sports. I don't have to do children's ministry, I get to do children's ministry. I don't have to do youth work, I get to do youth work. I don't have to run the sound, I get to run the sound. I don't have to usher, I get to usher. I see guys out in the parking lot being sure that we're safe right now. I hope, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad. Y'all feel what I'm saying today? Lord, would you develop in this body? God, many of us in this room, we... We, we, would, we would say, God, that we know you and that we're growing. But God, one of the marks of a growing, maturing believer is that we are being used of you in service in body life. And so, Lord, my prayer today is that simply you would just search our own hearts. And God, I, I, I already feel as though, Lord, if you search our hearts today, that you, you will know that there's, there's, there's people in our body that, Lord, we just, for whatever reason, we're not serving. And Lord, I pray that you would renew our passion to serve and that we would see it that we get to serve you Jesus we get to serve you we get to honor you and that God your life would be lived in and through us and that as we serve we would see people saved as we serve we would see it as a ministry unto you, that we do what we do as unto you, Jesus. Not because we have to, but God, we get to. And so, Lord, maybe it's just a change of attitude. Maybe it's just a reminder of your loving kindness. Maybe it was just a reminder today that we've been regenerated that we've been renewed by the spirit of God and Lord I pray that we would find our place of service in the body and God I believe it will blow us away as we see that happen spiritual gifts functioning every part of the body functioning that we bring honor and glory our praise team is going to lead us in a hymn of invitation today. And the invitation is very simple. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'd love to lead you to faith. If you're here today and you say, Ken, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm a part of the body, but i got to be honest. I'm not serving. I'm just, I'm not serving. I'm not engaged at a level that I, I think that the Spirit is tugging on my heart 
And maybe you just want to come and find a place today just to pray. Maybe you just want to build an altar right there where you're standing. And say, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm missing something. And maybe it's because we're not serving. Just trust Him today. Let's stand together. Trust Him. Trust Him. Day and uh, I'm just going to be praying that the Lord would just continue to resonate that truth in our heart and, and that we'll just see more and more people engaged in service and body life and, and that we'll just watch Jesus do what he wants to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we love you and thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of just gathering together. Lord, I thank you for the body that's here. Thank you for our guests that are here today. And God, we, we do not take that for granted. We are so grateful them and pray Jesus that you will just continue to uh, God use us all for your good and for your glory Lord I pray that you will just continue to minister to us in this day and God would you just keep taking us back to the truth and taking us back to the word and and that God we would just simply delight in serving you because you have changed us forever Lord we just praise you and thank you for that and we are so grateful to be a king's kid today. And we just ask all this today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You encourage one another.